Hello, everyone. Crypto traders around the world. Crypto Talk Radio, Basic Cryptonomics is back with another episode. Thankful for you joining us here today. Let's kick this off real quick. Won't take us long. We've got a couple bits and bulbs to get out of the way, and then we'll jump right into this. CryptoTalkRadio.net is the site. You can check out all of our various episodes, download, listen. We appreciate if you'd spread the word. The more people that we get listening to our show and our various episodes, the more people we get on board with what we're doing. The greater we can be, the more we can serve you. We appreciate you. We appreciate any word that you can spread as well. And CryptoTalkRadio.net continues to be updated. We are adding content constantly until we are satisfied with the outcome. So keep tuned on that same channel for more and more to come in the future. And we will let you know anytime that we make any changes that are significant, at least, or anything that's new launched. Of course, our Triad membership in the upper right corner, click that, and it'll let you know about the different plans that we have available if you want to support the show. Keep us doing what we're doing. Pass up us a little bit of money. It's not a lot, but you get a lot of value for each of those tiers. Check that out at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Let's go ahead and get into our internal news for today. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, crypto traders worldwide. I apologize for somewhat of a delay. The nonsense that I'm having to do these past couple of weeks has gotten in the way. Um, it is scheduled to wrap up end of next week, basically just before Christmas Eve, which I'm excited if this is true. And if that does happen, then the schedule should change to an afternoon schedule, which means I'll be able to jump in in the morning like I was doing before. Um, there's also another update I'll share with you, and this is the reason why I was also kind of working on some stuff. When I started this podcast here, currently called Basic Cryptonomics, in your app it might still be called Tales from the Crypto. It has since been renamed to Basic Cryptonomics. It's the same podcast. If you want to update the name, you can. You would need to remove it and resubscribe. However, I would just leave it as is because you're still getting the episodes just like normal, especially if you're on uh, iTunes or Spotify. It should just work as is, and I believe those automatically update the name. But if you're on other ones like Podcast Guru, um, the name will not update, but you should get the episodes. It is the same podcast. So if you do um, navigate back to the link at some point in the future and you see a different name, it's the same podcast. But when I started this podcast, it was as a group underneath my main podcast, which is Gentleman's World Podcast, which I do w- roughly weekly, sometimes every other day, depending on what's going on, how I'm feeling. And then I branched this one off into its own podcast because there was a lot to talk about. And I don't regret that decision because then I'm getting a lot more listeners from around the world that are interested in crypto. And I'm excited that you're here and I appreciate that you're here. But as I've done this, it's I'm now at the point where I'm going to need to do the branching again, not for this one, but for my other group, which is around boxing, because I'm a boxing fan and I discuss boxing on a regular basis, basically once a week, probably like Friday, Saturday ish. I don't think that's going to change, but there's enough content now as I ramp up on it then I think it makes best sense for it to stand alone off to the side because I'm going to be a lot of interest on that side. Those are on YouTube today. Um, there's no video, but just the audio. And so now that I've kind of got a groove and I've got some subscribers and I've got it ramped up, I'm going to turn that into an official podcast and publish that to all the different places that I already have, uh, Tales from the Crypto and Gentleman's World. That means that I need to dedicate somewhere in the range of 15 minutes to 30 minutes to you guys as much as I can. And then on Gentleman's World, it's roughly about 30 minutes to an hour, depending on what's going on. And then the boxing side is usually about 
20 to 30 minutes. So that means that I need to spread out my time investment and where I put those times. And again, as of the remainder this week, as well as the duration of next week, most of those updates are happening in about the early afternoon. So for me, this is early afternoon. For you, it might be, you know, early morning or late evening. And I apologize for that. It's just the nonsense with these classes is getting in the way. But I wanted to make sure I at least get an update out daily because I committed to doing that. If minimum one, but if possible, then two, depending on what's going on. So just so you know what's going on, that I'm still committed to the once a day. That has not changed. It won't change. But I am in the process of trying to wind down this course that I'm taking. So that'll get back to the morning cadence. And then there may be something new coming depending on the outcome of Monday. I still plan to have my guests who I have uh, scheduled and booked uh, in. And the first one is scheduled. I did get confirmation from him to talk to him on Tuesday next week. So I will have that recorded. Then I need to master it. And then that one is going to go probably on the podcast and on YouTube because he is coming on video because um, I got all the confirmations and everything signed. And that's a token that I've covered before. And I'm excited to have him kind of speak to what he wants to share. He is their media person. So he's already on YouTube. He's used to communicating. Many of you might even know who he is. If you're aware of the token, I'm not going to give the name yet because I want it to be a surprise, but that's also on deck. So I've got the remainder of this week's nonsense. I got to clean out. Then Monday, I've got some possible movements. I'd have to talk to them and see what's going on there. And then I've got Tuesday the update plus the splitting off of the boxing podcast into its own and then getting into a groove the following week past Christmas into where that what the nonsense I'm doing this week is going to go to the afternoon. So I'll go back to the morning, but then depending on what's going to happen this coming Monday might turn out that that'll shift around again. There's a lot up in the air. There's a lot that's not yet confirmed. So I will play it by ear, but I can tell you bottom line, no matter what, once per day, you will get minimum an update from me. I confirm this and I guarantee it and it's never going to change. The timing is what's going to be a little bit iffy for the next couple of weeks. Bear with me and hopefully you guys are enjoying whatever holiday because I know some countries don't celebrate Christmas as the United States do. So whatever holiday celebration, if any, that you do celebrate or whatever it is that you guys are doing with family or anything, I hope that that's enjoyable for you and I hope that my contributions are valuable enough that you look forward to getting the once a day so that I can continue to be motivated to do so. Once I get updates on if I'm going to put it on to YouTube going forward, the crypto podcast, I just haven't had a reason to because most of the time you don't care about the person talking, you care about the content. So I figured audio is the best format for this. However, if I see that there's enough interest in having something presented, even if it's just screens and there's not a person necessarily, but the audio is available through yet another forum, that being YouTube, I don't mind doing that or any other platform. I'm open, whatever makes it easier for you guys. Um, as of right now, I don't anticipate doing it. I am open to it. So let's jump right into what we got for the crypto world. There's a couple of things happening. If you were interested in or you're invested in what used to be known as Safe Earn, now known as Earn Hub, be aware that that should have gone live, I believe, about an hour ago to make sure that the they, they were doing a version two of everything. So they built everything out, and then they did a version two of everything. And this was very challenging for them. This is very chaotic. This is very difficult. And they had a lot of hoops. I talked about in my update that I covered that I felt like the staking method was a very 
intriguing way to do this kind of a migration, knowing that I don't like migrations. But if you're going to do it, the staking seemed like a cleaner way to make sure that you got as many people as possible. Now, of course, the downside is that when you are trying to do this process, there's a lot you have to think of. There's a lot you kind of manage, right? And so they, they ran into some bugs and they backed off again. And then a lot of people got very antsy because two things happened. Number one, certain people didn't get the message that you were supposed to stake your safe earn in order to convert to earn hub. And when they, and those that did stake, you might've had um, rewards because they would give you rewards as either safe moon or as what's called don't KYC or uh, Cardano that you could choose or useless token, all these different partners that you had staking rewards you could earn and people were not sure how they were going to get those because it was against the safe earn. there's a lot of stuff moving and the flaw in the way the developers did this and i covered this on my ego update if you go back in time is that the developers they just went forward with a plan and they didn't think through all these different what-if scenarios at all i can clearly tell this because when they initially built this out and they said this is what's going to happen we got slammed with a whole bunch of questions and a whole bunch of issues. And eventually they got to the point where, okay, we understand what we're doing. Right. And then they roll out a tool and it seems like, Oh, oh it's okay. And they do a pre-sale and all seems smooth. And then all of a sudden they get these bugs and the ineffect isn't working the way they want to. And then they got to roll it back. And then they roll out a V2 of the same tools. Well, then, each and every time you do the anyflect, so this is staking to get rewards in any token that you want, as described, you're charged a gas fee each time. So the first time the gas fee was like 18 cents. Cool, no problem. I don't like that I have to pay gas in order to stake or get rewards, but it works the same way as you know any of the swaps do. But then the second time in the V2, the gas price is like 88 cents. So you're like, well, 88 cents is nothing. Do, do, do. You got to understand, I'm looking at it in terms of Number one, I already did gas to tell you I want to stake. And number two, if I'm going to have to do that every time I change the token I want, that's going to add up, which means that I have to make sure that the rewards I get are worth the expense of doing it in the first place because if the rewards aren't enough to offset the spend, it's it, at that point I might as well go to a different token that gives me higher rewards or just simply put it into something like Coinbase or one of the exchanges and let it generate off the APY. So I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. I don't have a significant amount of money in EarnHub. It was mostly to try this, kick the tires, and see if I like it, let them sort out the bugs, let them get it stable, watch the price movement. It is a constrained inventory now. So in safe earn before, you might have got like 100 million tokens for a dollar. Now you'd only get like 100,000 tokens for that same dollar. So it's a heavily constrained inventory. So some people, that shocked a lot of people that, hey, what, what happened to my dog? And then... The other piece that was a big deal was the anyflect because you would go in, you would set what you want, and people said, well, why couldn't you just default it to EarnHub? That way we didn't get charged, just default it as a regular reflection and then let them change it. I agreed with this because many of the people, all they wanted was EarnHub anyway. The devs didn't think about it, and they didn't listen to anything that people were saying. So I don't know. It just seems like it was a very challenging process for them. I'm not criticizing you know, they had to do what they had to do because of what happened with Safe Moon, which is a whole long story I covered in an old episode. So they had to do this migration, but I think that they're another example of developers not listening to investors who are trying to help them do something a little bit smoother. I think the staking process was very brilliant in thinking that as a strategy to help move to tokens, and it could be the model I talked about 
that you could use and copy and kind of resell to other tokens and say, this is how you do a migration. However, this needs to be refined. They need to have a come together meeting and say, here's our lessons learned. What went well, what didn't go well, and why didn't these go well, and why do we make those decisions? It's clear that they were just kind of going and they thought they had a good idea and they did have a good idea, but they underestimated the scope. It's obvious. Same thing as what happened early on with Ethereum. And then with Ethereum, it was so bad, they ended up branching off into Ethereum Classic. So I'm not faulting what they tried to do. I just think that they need to get to the point, like all coins and tokens, of listening to investors trying to help them avoid these problems. I keep repeating that same mantra that the ego gets in the way. And as a result, the investors get affected because we're trying to keep our price stable and we're trying to obviously make money because that's why we do it. And we don't want to see our investment impacted. And many people were very frustrated being without their funds for over a month because of the delays and delays and delays. Now, let me talk about the goods of this. Number one good is that the current version of AnyFlect is pretty darn stable and pretty darn reliable. It didn't meet the promise of any token you want from Binance. But of what's there, it got basically the 80% of what people would care about. So I think that's good. I would love to see truly that it's any token in Binance because once you do that, it opens up the door to things like being rewarded in something like USD Tether, which you then could convert straight out to USD Tether on the Ethereum side and then buy whatever Ethereum token that you want at a low gas price. So I'd love to see it go further, but it looks like it's reasonably stable and doing what it's supposed to do. There was an issue with the tokens that wasn't explained very well with vesting and how it works, and they're trying to lock down the ability to withdraw tokens in mass because a lot of people were going to just, the fear was you're going to have major whale sell-off and tank the value of the token. And so there's not, I think that's still going on. Um, I think there's still some of that hesitation. Um, so they were doing this to kind of stop the sales, the mass sales. There were some theories about some major sales that they saw and they thought it might be the developers and it could have been, but it also could have been for the purposes of issuing the rewards because now the rewards go to pretty much anything via fiat. And so there could be a mechanic that does the reflections that comes across as a whale cell. And if that's the case, then you might have situations where people are going to freak out chicken little, right? And say, Hey, the devs are cashing out in the rug pull and, doot, doot, doot. and it's not really rug pull, but it feels like rug pull because they didn't really explain it the way that they needed to, in order to say, okay, this is not really rug pull. What we did is we do the sale and then the sale goes to this other contract, and then that contract gives you the rewards. I just don't think that they explained this very well to people. And as a result, certain people got freaked out. And so there was a lot of chicken little FUD that was spread about rug pull when it really was not a rug pull. It's doing what it's supposed to do, but because they didn't explain it, people are freaking out unnecessarily. So if you're not in EarnHub now and you want to buy into it, you should be able to buy into it now because you have the contract code. I believe you should be able to access it now through PancakeSwap if you want to go that way. The other alternative would be go directly to their site, which is EarnHub.fi, so like finance FI, and do it through their D app where you can then swap in from there. There is a reward, uh, let's say sweepstakes going on for people who stake tokens and use the AnyFlect product. And you are able to do this as long as you leave your tokens in there for the duration of today through the 23rd. So you would need to get in today if you were going to do so. 
and stake your tokens. Now, I will warn you that if you were to look at the price movement recently from the day that they turned this thing on, you're going to see a tank. You're going to see a huge tank because there were a lot of there were a lot of whales who simply did not want to leave their tokens in there and they wanted to sell out as quickly as possible. And it is what it is. So I don't want you to assume that it's going to stay down because I don't believe that's going to be the case. But you should be aware that it is going to see some steep declines initially. Like any token that fresh launches, there's going to be that whale sell-off that initially hits before it ever it gets a chance to recoup. And it is possible that, frankly, that it may never recoup anywhere close to where it was uh, on the safe earned side because of the way that the process was done and the way that they onboarded this as opposed to how they might have done other tokens in the past. So that's the safe earn, now known earn hub side live if you want to buy in with the Anyflect, which is the first token to allow you to choose which reflection token that you get for your stake. Take a look at it, read it, see if it makes sense. Definitely consider that one. I want to do a quick coverage on Satama. The, there's a little bit of ants or angst, I guess is the best term, for the CERTIC audit, which is still ongoing, but it's going at a slow pace. I estimated mid-December. Its current percentage, the last I saw, was about 86%, which it's still on track because we still have this week and, and next week officially. Um, it's still on track to meet my estimate, but it, I think they're being slowed down by something is my gut. Um, something slowed them down. Now, that might be responses from the Satama team. Or it could be something deeper. It could be something worse. There's no way to really know because they don't disclose what it is that they're doing. Specifically, what is it that they're covering? But CERDIC came out and said, hey, we sent it across to the project team. And then they're going to take a look at what we said. And they're, we're giving them a chance to remediate. So this goes back to what I said. When you do the findings and you send it to them, you give them a chance to fix whatever's found. And you give them time. And usually there's a time box. And that time box... Generally speaking, it depends on how many findings there are, but you usually will set it around two weeks to say you got two weeks to resolve this thing. Well, the 85% came, I believe, sometime late last week, Friday, possibly Monday. It wasn't that long ago to hit 85%. So they still got some time, but they may be a little bit over the mid-December, but they, I believe they're making good pace progress compared to what I would have expected. Otherwise, they are making good progress. They do seem to be moving it forward. And if they're able to get the findings to them this fast, it means that the bulk of the time is now behind us because the bulk of the time is doing the analysis, getting the findings collected, putting them in a form that can be consumed by the project team. Then you meet with the project team, you discuss with them what was the finding, why is it a concern, why is it the level of concern that it is. Um, again, a very notable, credible source has apparently spoken to somebody on the CERTIC side who disclosed to them that the findings were not that big of a deal. Let's say I remain skeptical about that. It's not that I dis, dis, it's not that I'm skeptical of the person. I'm skeptical of the source, meaning that I talked about on a previous review report I was reviewing where something they called as major, I'm like, that's minor. This is nothing. So I think if they're saying, hey, the, we didn't see a lot of big deal things on this, you could have like, say, 10 majors, right? And then... I look at it and they're like, okay, well, really two of these are major and none of these are that much. Or it could be that three of them are critical and I look at them and I'm saying, yeah, I agree with all three are critical. 
And they're saying it's not that much because of the scope of the review, where normally you would have 10 criticals, but here we only have three criticals. It would be akin to, well, yeah, my, my house is on fire, but it's only the real, deep, deep, deep. I mean, it's the same concept. If a fire is a fire. You're still burning. Just because part of it's only burning and not the other doesn't mean it's not a fire, right? So I think it's all in perspective, and the way that they do their reports and how the project team decides to remediate is really what you want to look at. So anybody who's kind of on pins and needles with Tama and you are thinking about selling, if you see anything greater than a minor, I would encourage you to think deeper about that decision because, again, Certic, the way they call something major, quote-unquote, I frankly think it's a joke the vast majority of the time. These are things I would not call major because they give the false impression of that. And I, I fault, you know, the, the normally in audit reports, you put a definition of done for each of the categories. So in a past life, when I would do this, a major to me versus a critical, if I were to, I mean, let's use financial services because that's what I did my audits in. For me, a, a critical is... You violate, you're violating a law or you're at risk of violating, violating a law of some kind. You are violating a person's privacy or at risk of doing said, or you're at risk of losing money. Like to me, those are all three critical findings. These are things where it's, there's no way you should move this out as is, and you are effectively required to fix them because I will not let you get a green light until you fix those minimum. Versus a major, which might be something as simple as we had a web portal that we were rolling out. And in all web portals, and you you know this from your banks and from your other services, your credit card, you go to the site, you create a username and password. Usually your username is something you create or it's your email address. And then there almost always is the request for a code, multi-factor authentication. With password authentication alone, you create standards for the password. So it's minimum 12 characters. It's got to have numbers, letters, and so on. You know what I'm saying here? What this company wanted to do was if the customer put the thing in wrong, tell them what was wrong. So we got the email address right, but the password's wrong. So we would tell them, okay, your password's incorrect. Or we got the email address wrong. Well, your email address is incorrect. Now, the reason that we would flag that desire as a major is because when you tell somebody what's wrong, you make it easy to hack those accounts. It's not a critical because as long as your password standards are a certain, you know, criteria or greater, it's harder to do it. So it's not a critical in the sense that you have a somewhat of a workaround, but it's still a major because the risk is still there. You've mitigated it somewhat, but not completely. The way you mitigate it completely is you don't tell them what's wrong. You just say invalid login or password, or you say, you know, please try again. Your credentials weren't working or something that doesn't tell them exactly what's wrong. That way they don't know what to guess. And then you couple that with things like lockout provisions and multi-factor and so on. Right? So for me, the major is the risk is truly still there. And it's something of the nature that would be critical, but you've mitigated it, but you haven't gotten rid of it. There's a difference. What site what the CERTIC rather called out previous reports as major are things that I don't even see what the risk is of this. It's more code standard and code quality and code integrity and things that don't create that risk. They're more 
let's say down the road, you have different staff who come in. It might be harder to deal with the code or there's a performance hit of the code. I wouldn't consider those major. They would be major at scale. So like if you think Solana, as a good example, Solana had a network issue that tanked the whole thing and the whole value went down. But that's at scale. These tokens, these so-called altcoins are nowhere close to a Solana. So I'm not going to nail you major just because your code isn't perfect. I don't agree with that. But let's say they review the Cytomask tool and they find that there's a leak of the private address, the private key for whatever wallet that you plugged in there. That would be a critical because there's a leak. It would be a major if the data was encrypted but still leaked. Does that make sense? Like it, it, you, the, the risk is still there, but you mitigated it. I would call that a major. But just that it exposed the public key, I would not call that a major because you can't do anything with the public key by itself. You'd have to have the private key in order to create any damage. You could dust attack that address, sure. But like I said before, wallets like Trust Wallet don't even show the dust token. So there's minimal risk of just the, excuse me, the public key being put out there. It's not that big of a deal. All of which is to say, I think they're still on track. And it would seem to me that being 86% in and having them work the project team at this point, that they're at the last, they're at the finishing stages. And we should be seeing a final report here close. Or it could be that whatever findings were there truly were critical. And the team decided to fix whatever it was with the code and then republish the application then they have to go through the Google approvals and hopefully, and I'm, I'm celebrating if this is the case, hopefully they don't plan to improperly release it before we know it's ready, which is what killed them on the Vegas event, right? So hopefully they are taking a more cautious approach in light of what has happened in the past and they're not going to rush this thing. And I think it's less on Certic at this point and more on the Satama team and how they respond to the findings. So if you are an investor in Satama, or you're considering Satama, or you sold Satama, when that report comes out, this is my call to action to you. I challenge you to simply look at the report. Don't freak out if you see major. You should be concerned, but not freak if you see critical. The only time I would say you should freak and consider selling is if you see criticals that the team chose not to fix, because that means that they don't agree or could not take the time to resolve things that are critical and depending on the nature of what they are, they might end up violating your wallet, right? And cause you to lose money. And we don't want to see that. So if you see criticals that go unresolved, I personally would consider that absolute deal breakers, absolutely unacceptable in my mind. If they're criticals and they chose to fix them, I think that gives them a fair shake and we should give them a chance because it shows good faith. If they're majors, it depends on the nature of the major, but for most majors, as long as they acknowledge that it's a problem, but they see that the it's mitigated, so the risk is marginal at best, I think those are fine. It's the criticals I think you're going to want to pay attention to with something like Cytomask. Then, the last part you want to be aware is, regardless of what Certic finds, Certic is not a perfect service. It's not going to find every single issue. I guarantee you that the CIDA team did not test on every single device and every single operating system known to man. That means that everything could come back spotless clean after they fix whatever, and you might still have issues running it on your phone. You might still get breached if somebody has violated your phone and put a keylogger on it, for example. And I'm not trying to freak you out. I want you to be realistic that the CIDA team cannot, they cannot assert for every single scenario out there. 
There are always going to be those situations where there's a problem. All you can really do is try to work from a clean basis. Clean device that doesn't have a lot of stuff going on in it. It's ideally not a shared device. You have locks. Some people like biometrics. That's fine. But at least make sure it's locked. Don't leave it places. These sound like common sense things, but you'd be surprised how many people literally leave their phone laying on a desk and they walk up to a meeting or something. Don't do that because Zytomatine cannot protect you from yourself. At some point, you do have to take that accountability to protect yourself. Then moving on to a couple other points on tokens. So I want to cover Rich Quack real quick because I'm doing a test right now with Rich Quack because some people were skeptical about the performance and the ability to actually generate money off Rich Quack. And I wanted to talk about how Rich Quack ultimately works because as I mentioned on a previous episode about Rich Quack, Rich Quack can be a hold token. If you want to put in on that thing and just hold it and ignore it and let the reflections grow, absolutely you can do this. The way that the black hole mechanic works, its price will go up as a long-term vision because it's constantly burning the tokens in the inventory. But it's better suited, is Rich Quack, as a profit generator. When I say a profit generator, what I'm saying is that you are investing specifically to make a profit in a short-term period of time. So I talked about looking at the graphs and learning how to time when it's on its way back up so that you're investing on a dip, so you get a discount, you let it grow. Number one, that gets you the reflections, and each of the reflections, of course, will appreciate in value as the token starts to go up in price, as it is doing as I, as I record this. Then at some point, it's going to plateau. And then it's going to come back down. Now, when you see where it starts to plateau, you'll start to see a pattern. The pattern should tell you how much you should invest and then how much you can expect to get on the back end. And then you should sell to get that profit or only take the profit and leave the basis in there. So let's say you toss $10 at the thing. And let's say it doubles because I've seen it do this. Take 10 out of it, leave the 10 in there and just marinate until it does it again and just keep doing this. So it becomes a passive income source or like I said you can leave it in there and just let it generate reflections and then at some point yes it is going to drop zeros to where you can get some serious profit out of it I believe it's at eight zeros right now so just kind of give you a sense so Tom is at seven zeros so and then Shibs I believe at four so just to give you a perspective when you have a burn mechanic in place as Shib does not right but Satama does and other tokens do it takes a little bit longer for it to get to that point because there's not enough active interest in volume to a lot of those tokens. But as the volume increases, which they do as more people get interested in it, then you start to see an increase in the value and a dropping of the zeros. So like right now, its market cap is over 130 million with a volume of 5 million. Well, at a volume of 5 million and a market cap of 130 million, that means it has significant room for growth it still has, I believe it's 46 quadrillion, yes, quack, as its total supply, but a circulating that is less than this. And the again, goes to the black hole every time there's a transaction. So you get the reflections, but it also burns a portion to the black hole. And it's a true burn mechanic, which means that at some point, the total supply is going to start being constrained. But it's a long play because we're still in the quadrillions of tokens. So if you look at rich quack and you say it doesn't make sense for you, no problem. But I wanted to make sure I clarify for people how it really works. It's not like your regular token that is 
fundamental utility, you know, NFT this, and, you know, I'm going to save medical science this, and it's none of that. It is truly a profit driver, thus its name. That's all it's for. And if you do it as part of a diverse portfolio, it's probably not a problem. It's on exchanges, so you don't have to spend gas on it if you don't want to. But don't misunderstand what it's for. You can hold it if you want, but it's really a profit driver. That's its intent. I believe that it's going to stay that way uh, for the foreseeable future. And who knows where the thing will go and how far it will go for people. Big picture, though, as an industry, so we're talking cryptocurrency overall, the vast majority of tokens are still down and trending upward, but they're down at the point, including SHIB. SHIB's actually trending further down, so it's below its all-time high, original all-time high, and it's trending downward. It's not heavy downward traffic, but it is trending downward. There's not one single cause. I said it before. I believe it's a bear season. I do think things will pick back up in the new year, so I wouldn't worry about it too much. But if you're bought into many of the tokens that are in the SHIB ecosystem, you're going to see some wide fluctuations in price, especially on like Bone, and then other tokens that are on side. Uh, excuse me, Shiba Swap. So like Ryoshi's Vision, for example, are way down. So it had an initial pump, and it went pretty darn high. I mean, it was it was significant high, and it's way down from where it was. I wouldn't say it's at an all-time low, but it's pretty darn low. I think Ryoshi's Vision will come back. It has a burn mechanic, but it doesn't have a lot of utility. And it doesn't have a lot of people trading it because most people who have SHIB don't want to pay the gas fees to stake it to get the Ryoshi that they're entitled to. However, those coins are essentially held in a singular wallet before they're distributed for the woofing rewards for ShibaSwap. Once, I say once and if, ETH2O starts to release, and if we see a decrease in gas fees, we might start seeing some significant jumps on tokens that are on the Ethereum smart chain, including Ryoshi and SHIB, because now it'll be cheaper for people to do those staking rewards and the different programs that come along with, and we'll see less of the resistance to do it. We also might see some turmoil on the Binance side, because if the ETH 2.0 does not decrease gas fees, we are seeing more and more tokens spin up at least an alternative on the Binance chain, and it may spur tokens like SHIB, which actually does have a Binance token, but it's not official. It's pegged, and it's not run by the SHIB team. But we might start seeing tokens just basically toe the line and get on both, both networks as opposed to just staying on Ethereum. The reason they stay on Ethereum is simply because of that's where all the people are. So they go where the people are that they believe is going to get them success. That's why ID is almost three times what it is on the Binance chain as on the Ethereum chain, it's because of people and exposure. And I said it before, and people didn't believe me, but I said it, that Ethereum is where it is when you're talking about the United States, period, point blank. The Binance chain is accessible, but it's not as convenient. And there are issues with that one with slippage and everything else that Ethereum does not have. And then you talk about Coinbase, which is primarily, I'd say pretty much exclusively, Ethereum, if not dedicated blockchain. So it's not as easy to deal with the Binance smart chain that may play a factor into the price movements for various tokens coming up in the new year. We just don't know because we don't know what's going on with ETH2O. It's actually scheduled, I believe, to release sometime this year um, in December. That was when they were on target to do it. I don't know if they were delayed, but we have to watch out what that's doing. And then, of course, how that affects NFTs. So there's a lot of things that are in limbo land because a lot of new things were happening and coming at the same time right during a bear season, right during a variant 
right during the tornadoes, right during inflation. So a lot of things have been impacting the industry. Thus, I don't want you to think that there's anything wrong with crypto itself, but there's a lot of things impacting people right now. And so keep an eye on it. Buy the dip. Don't freak out. It's normal. As odd as that sounds, it is. And it's it'll pass. I promise it'll pass. We just have to give it time. And a lot of these things are... I'm impatient myself when dealing with fiat because there's a lot of things I'm in a waiting game. I'm owed thousands of dollars that sit and wait on because that's just the way people are now. Technology has caused us to slow down. We are adding more hoops to processes and we're adding more delays to everything instead of speeding everything up. So that's the coverage there on the Shiva side, um, real quick and brief. And then, of course, Satama with the Certic audit. And then Rich Quack, I wanted to make sure I threw a mention in there for those guys just because... I think it was heavily misunderstood, frankly. And then the industry in general is just down, so I don't I don't begrudge anybody on any side. That's all I got as far as news uh, for today. I'm not going to cover a new token until next week, and the reason for this is I want to be putting all my brain power into the ones I covered today, so like Earn Hub and just watch where it's going. There's a lot of movements I, I want to dedicate energy to it. As we get closer to the Certic results for Cytomask, I want to put some energy back into it because now I see hopefully the way that they respond to the findings is going to be important, I think, for people. I will mention SHIB if I see significant movements, but otherwise, no. Um, I will revisit other tokens that I've covered, and, of course, one of the guests will be here next week that I will talk to about their token a little bit in depth. Um, I will get an update whenever it comes through for the... There's another token creator that I want to get on the show. He's expressed interest coming on the show, but we don't know when that token is going to release. And once it releases, we're going to talk to him. And there's a lot of things happening. And that's why I'm not covering new tokens because I want to focus. There's so many tokens kind of on deck now that the awareness is out there, the interest is out there. There's a lot of movement with just the ones I'm covering that I want to focus and target on those. However, you might hear an out-of-cycle update, which I haven't done in a while on purpose. If there happens to be a token that, starts to have some movement that I didn't cover that I want to make sure I get coverage on, whether for the first time or as a revisit, so that I can keep it in scope, but it would not be part of the today update. It would be an out-of-cycle update. So keep tabs on that. Again, I appreciate you listening in. I will have something more for you tomorrow, guaranteed, as I watch these tokens and see where we go in the land of crypto. That'll do it for today's Crypto Talk Radio episode. I want to thank you for listening today. We know you've got choices. CryptoTalkRadio.net, if you would, we would appreciate. At the very top, we have a contact form. Fill that out. Let us know what your thoughts are. If we're doing great or something you don't like, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you don't mind spreading the word, we would also appreciate that. If you think other people would benefit from the type of coverage that we do, we work hard to try to be different than every other type of podcaster or YouTuber that's out there. So hopefully we're on track with that. Finally, our YouTube channel, of course, is that Basic Cryptonomics. If you want to find us on there, those are dedicated, specific, exclusive types of episodes. So you'll hear things there that you won't hear on the podcast and vice versa. Check us out there for more quick and dirty coverages. Until next time, take care.